Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. Out here at the Organic Agriculture Research Field Day at the Arlington Research Station, I'm actually talking with one of the organic producers that's out here enjoying the field day, learning a little bit about different things and research that's being done. Jared Siverling of Siverling Century Farm in northern Wisconsin. And uh, Jared, tell me a little bit about your operation, kind of where it started, where you've come, and kind of some of the goals you have on your operation. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, we have a 500-acre farm uh, in northern Wisconsin, just north of Eau Claire. Uh, It was a conventional, like a lot of northern Wisconsin farms, it was a conventional dairy. uh, And then the dairy cows left in 07, the beef cows hung around, and uh, now we uh, certified it organic two years ago, or we began the process. Actually, this year, we now have the entire farm certified organic. We raise about a dozen crops. Uh, Our main staples are the normal Wisconsin items, such as corn, soybeans, and hay, alfalfa hay, but we also do medium red clover for seed. We do a variety of small grains such as oats, barley, um, rye, peas, buckwheat, and even experimenting a little bit with organic kidney beans and pinto beans as well. So a little bit of everything, but we're still predominantly a beef and corn, soybean, and hay operation, just organic certified. Now, talk a little bit about, you know, why did you decide to come out here today to the field day? And let's talk a little bit about the importance of that from a research standpoint and getting to learn about what they're researching, what kind of things they're looking at that you can kind of take back and think about at your own operation. Absolutely. You know, so uh, Dr. Silva and the crew out here, uh, they do a wonderful job of, of trying some, they, they do a lot of different things at a smaller scale. And a lot of the ideas are very scalable. And uh, some of them, quite frankly, would not work for my, because I'm up further north. Other ideas fit in really well. And so it's a chance to take something, basically some pain that other people have experienced in terms of getting the system right or learning from past uh, uh, failures or chance to succeed and, and taking it back and trying a larger scale. And uh, we've tried a lot of the ideas we've seen at various field days, including here. And sometimes they work great. A lot of times they work great. Sometimes not so much. And that's just the nature of when you take a, a, a small plot and you try to expand it to, you know, several dozen acres. So, you know, the stigma of organic farming has really gone away in the last 30 years. So if you just want to farm conventionally or, or organically, there's plenty of people that can tell you how to farm, for example, no-till continuous conventional corner beans, or in my case, you know, very common rotation, like organic corn, organic soybeans, followed by organic wheat or organic rye. But as we heard briefed here today, uh, almost all of these systems are losing soil carbon and soil organic matter over a long period of time throughout the entire farming profile. And so a lot of the research that's being done is, is again, getting back to that sustainability and regenerative, which is okay. So we know we, we have a basic formula for how to farm conventionally. We have basic formulas for how to farm organically, but how do we do that in a way that's also regenerating soil? Um, in my case, being certified organic also within the compliance of the organic standards. So no herbicides, no, no synthetic fertilizers. And um, so, you know, how do we work more in tune with nature? And so that's the big thing I take away. Uh, Probably uh, Dr. Silva is most known for her work in, you know, no-till, crimped rye, soybeans, and that, in a traditional organic sense, was a very tillage-intensive practice, and also with a crop that didn't hold topsoil. It was kind of a double whammy. Not only did you lose 
uh, topsoil or uh, cultivating your soybeans. Uh, generally, uh, you had if you didn't put a cover crop in, you'd, you'd have some more erosion over the winter. Whereas uh, the no-till system that she promotes, and I, I, I would say she's probably perfected, uh, not only is there uh, much less tillage, uh, but also you have this wonderful mat of, of crimped rye to hold the ground uh, in, the, in the winter, even if you don't get a fall cover crop. That's just one example, though. And so, uh, again, it's, it's how do we uh, build healthier soils? How do we increase organic matter uh, and, and do it in such a way that we are also maintaining the organic standard and, and, and generating that healthy food that people are looking for? Sure. Now, being obviously from your farm name, Silverling Century Farm, you've probably been around for a while. You didn't start yesterday. But why is it important for you to kind of look at these or, or for anybody, whether conventional or organic, to look at some of these practices to really focus on that sustainability, really focus on maybe some of that regenerative agriculture so that someday when you want to pass the farm on or, or just, you know, someone else is there, they can continue to make productive land, they can continue to have productive agriculture and be profitable as well. So you, three things there. First of all, yes, uh, the def, one different, definite difference between, you know, the, the, the farm has to be profitable. You know, so understanding that even if there's a certain path that maybe really regenerates the land quickly, but there's, there's not profitability in it, well, that doesn't do any good too. And I think that's actually something uh, this research station does fantastic is there's, there are times that, you know, this might be the best course of action from a uh, land health but it's not the overall system is not sustainable from a profitability. We we still have to pay make the payments on the land and, and, and eat food and, and uh, uh, so that's that's thing one thing two is again though if all we turning 180 degrees if all we concentrate on is well how do I generate the most profit I can I can tell you in organics pretty quickly the recipe that would probably result in the most the most dollars per acre on my farm and whether you look at that as a year over ten years if I'm if I'm not building soil if I'm depleting soil a lot or a little then I'm still going backwards. And sometimes that, 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 that's not sustainable and that's not going to go uh, in the, like you mentioned, uh, f future generations. So yeah, our farms are around since 1914 and uh, you know, we, we have uh, always worked to build the soils, first conventional uh, and then when we finally realizing that certified organic was going to uh, be the way to go. And the final thing is why, why should a farmer, why, why should someone involved in agriculture come to a field like this? Any craft, whether it's a military service or uh, agriculture or uh, being a history, if you get to a point where you think you have the craft perfected, there's nothing left to learn, it's probably time to retire or, or uh, change occupation. So it's always, it's always fun to come. I, I've never gone to a field day, certainly one of these field days where I walked away and I said, you know, that was, that was just totally useless. I learned nothing. Uh, just today, I already have three notes jotted down uh, that I'm, I'm like, I, that, not even like a restatement of an idea that I'd already heard before. And it was a reminder, like brand new, like, oh my goodness, I didn't know that. One of the best example is the fact that uh, it's very possible in the top of the soil to uh, have carbon move around. So some of the results I get where I've been building organic matter well, that's the top six inches, and that uh, the, the the professor uh, who had researched that, uh, a lot of that is probably just a transfer of carbon within the soil versus carbon sequestration from my my system. Kind of hurts my feelings a little bit, but uh, now I'm going to go back and see what I do some deep soil analysis versus uh, shallow soil analysis. I'd never heard that before. That's just one example of probably 1,200 that you could take away from today. And let's touch on, I guess, one more thing that I guess kind of comes along with a field day is not only do you get to learn about the research, but you also get to network with other people, you know, network with other producers, network with these researchers, talk a little bit to 
that and why that is so important that, sure, you can take home this research and you can try the things that they've worked on, but talk about maybe the conversations you get to have with other farmers, with other producers that really can help both sides help to develop and to create a more sustainable operation. Absolutely. I mean, any field that you go to, the the big takeaway you always you hear it time and time again is it isn't even so much. It's the conversation over lunch is how it's often phrased. That's that's the best part. And that's again, that's not saying anything about the agenda itself. It's a it's a wonderful curriculum. And what I really especially enjoy on these uh, these field days that are targeted at an organic or a sustainable regenerative audience is it's not just a bunch of crazy organic farmers like myself. Um, the the gentleman I had lunch with is a is a very committed no till farmer who runs a conventional farm. But both of us are working towards the same goal, which is uh, healthier soil, healthier food. Um, it's just in my case, I'm kind of part of the never spray crowd and he's part of the never, never till crowd. And, I, and I'm not saying that one of us is right or one of us is wrong, and, but uh, between the cover crops and the various aspects of soil health, uh, and our our common goals. We had a great lunch, and that's just one. And uh, I know that I've went out and had had uh, six more lunches with this crowd. You're going to find more people. And again, it's because not everybody farms the same way. And even uh, I'm from far northern Wisconsin. I have to move the polar bears out of my way to get in the fields in the spring. Uh, whereas uh, I have some very different challenges uh, compared to somebody who maybe farms in the middle of Iowa. Uh, I also have a lot less uh, climate uh, extremes in my area because it's just always cold, right? When, when it's always freezing and you don't have to worry about. Um, uh, whereas uh, one of my closest friends who farms in northern Illinois has got, he seems like his springs are either devastatingly dry or uh, a crazy amount of moisture. And uh, we don't see that as much up north. So uh, you get to see challenges others face. And so many times you find that there's a, a problem that you're facing that somebody else has a, has a, a method uh, that, that maybe addresses it. And uh, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But that, that is the nature of organic farming, I found, is that the only thing I know for sure is that nothing works all the time, every time. Definitely, and it definitely takes all kinds. Here with Jared Siverling of Siverling Century Farm in northern Wisconsin, down at the Organic Egg Research Field Day in Arlington, Wisconsin, learning about things that can help to create a sustainable operation for both organic and conventional operations to continue to work to create a better agriculture industry. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Aaron Zimmerman.